Hi, this is Dr. Amy Myers, and today we'll be mapping Graves' disease on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Amy Myers. Dr. Myers is a two-time New York Times bestselling author and internationally acclaimed functional medicine physician who specializes in empowering those with autoimmune, thyroid, and digestive issues to take back their health and reverse their condition. In 2017, she founded amymyersmd.com, an e-commerce wellness platform that has become a popular and respected resource for people seeking to get to the root of their health issues, find solutions, and take back control of their health. Dr. Myers, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm so excited to have this time with you. Oh, I am so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Dr. Myers, we're all pretty acquainted with the thyroid gland these days, and most, if not all of us, have a deeper understanding of Hashimoto's autoimmune hypothyroidism, but Graves' disease doesn't get as much of our attention. Can you start us off by speaking into the underpinnings of Graves' disease? Yeah. So, first, I just want to say that I myself had Graves, so it bothers me that never gets quite the attention that Hashimoto's had. And, you know, it's as many of your practitioners already know that there's a whole host of underlying root causes for all autoimmune conditions. And frankly, they can all be used, you know, across the board for all autoimmune conditions. So, you know, I use five factors generally, and that's uh, looking at diet, our guts, people having leaky guts these days, to toxins, infections, and stress. And certainly in the literature, there's known uh, transient hyperthyroidism from things like pregnancy and then you know having birth. So this drop in hormones, it's one of the thoughts behind why there's so many more women having autoimmune conditions than men is these fluctuation in hormones, particularly around times of birth or times of uh, perimenopause and menopause. We've even seen some in our recent climate with the virus going around of people having COVID and then getting transient hyperthyroidism. Mm. Whether these have actually turned into actual graves or not, but we do know that some of these stressors on the body, whether it be an infection to a toxin to true stress, can be something that can cause Graves' disease and hyperthyroidism and frankly, all autoimmune. 
Yeah, so well said. And I'm wondering if you do see differences in populations, women versus men, if there are any racial differences with graves that you've seen in your practice or in your research? I, you know, I, I don't know about the racial differences, but certainly women over men, just historically, uh, when it comes to autoimmune conditions, as I, yes, as I had just said, but to, particularly when it comes to the thyroid. And that's, you know, something that I actually wrote about in my book, The Thyroid Connection, is you know, many men get undiagnosed with thyroid conditions because their physicians are not thinking that they could have a thyroid condition. You know, what I would say about graves, uh, when we're talking about diagnoses, graves compared to Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism in general, with graves, it's not to say that people don't get diagnosed or misdiagnosed, but the symptoms are generally more overt and more alarming to a physician to you know, want to do some lab work. It's, you know, rapid weight loss. It's rapid heartbeat. It's anxiety. It's insomnia. Some of the ones with hypothyroidism can be so subtle, right? As we know, and there's such a large spectrum. Right. And we even know because of how they do the lab testing, there are people who actually have hypothyroidism but are not diagnosed because they're within normal range. And I, of course, talk about that in the book as well. But they're much more subtle, right? Like, the, the typical is the woman who's, you know, postpartum, she just had a baby, her hair is falling out, she hasn't lost the last 15 pounds, she's exhausted, she goes to the doctor and they're like, of course you're tired and your hair is falling out and you haven't lost any weight, you just had a baby, right? And they just blow it off and don't explain it, but... Right. or go looking for tests. But if a woman comes in and she's like, I've had rapid weight loss, I'm lower weight than I was before the baby, my, my heart rate is very high, I'm having these anxiety, that tends to you know, cause a physician to want to investigate a little bit more than some of the hypothyroid symptoms. So generally speaking, I would say that hyperthyroidism doesn't go as undiagnosed as long as hypothyroidism in my personal experience and also as a physician. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you, you mentioned the lab testing that might be done. Can you talk a little bit about the tests that you look to and particularly the antibodies you're tracking in somebody with Graves' disease? Well, yeah. So anybody with thyroid in general, I'm always checking a TSH. I'm checking a free T4 and a free T3. Yep. Generally, we'll check a total T4 and a total... Uh, T3 as well. I mean, as many of your practitioners know, it's these free hormones that go into the receptor and, you know, act on the receptor. So it's really important to know, you know, what those amounts of free hormones are. Um, in terms of antibodies, you know, I myself only had TPO antibodies, which is more classically thought of with Hashimoto's or, or thyroid, and it's really the thyroid receptor antibodies with Graves. But I never had that. And I also saw many people that didn't have that in my in my clinic. So did that mean they didn't have graves? Well, I don't know. They had symptoms of hyperthyroidism and their labs showed that they were, you know, that they were actually hyperthyroid. So, you know, that's a little bit of a mystery in terms of, you know, do we need to redefine that in the, you know, in terms of medical literature or are there, are both antibodies, you know, available? Did somebody flip from Hashimoto's to hyper, but they only had those TPO antibodies, but you know, the thyroglobulin antibodies, TPO antibodies, and then antibodies against the receptor, which frankly, I really never saw in my clinic, but that's the classic one for Graves' disease. So I typically saw either TPO or the 
thyroglobulin antibodies. Yeah, really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned the flipping. I was going to ask you about that because I know people can kind of flip flop between that hyper and hypo state. I had a little bit of hyper before it landed as hypo. Can you speak more into why that's happening and how common that is? Sure. I mean, I don't know if we 100% know why that's happening. I mean, I think the the bottom line is an assault is happening on your thyroid and your immune system's attacking your thyroid. So the thought process is while that attack is going on, you can be overactive and have the symptoms of hyperthyroidism. And then as the thyroid begins to burn out or the immune system calms down, it may have damaged part of the thyroid and then that leads to the hypothyroidism. I mean, I'm sure it's more complex than that versus what are the triggers you know, are you being exposed to something that's, you know, creating this, you know, heavy metals? Are you, you know, in and out of a place that maybe has toxic mold? I mean, it's it's way more looking at the matrix, right? Are you yes. at times eating gluten and other times you're not? So I think, you know, typically in the medical research and literature is what I just spoke to you about, about sort of the immune system going in and attacking, being hyper, burns the thyroid out, then they become hypo. But as we in functional medicine know, it's, you know, it's like, what's the root cause? Like, why was the immune system attacking it, right? Right. And what are those triggers? And is it a is it a trigger that there's all the time or is it a trigger that, oh, you know, your parent, mother-in-law only comes in town every other month and you get super <laughs> stressed, right? What is, what is that? What are those triggers for you? Are there times in your office, you know, that you have sprints going on and it's more stressful and you get hyperthyroid during those? I mean, As you know, it's just working through that entire matrix of what are the environmental inputs that are creating that inflammatory and immune response. Yeah, yeah, so beautifully said and something we have to look at for all autoimmune conditions. When we do head over to the central part of the matrix, you listed some of the major symptoms that we might see in somebody with Graves disease, as well as some of the major triggers or roots. Can you talk a little bit more into the GI function, the leaky gut, the gluten, those connections, and what kind of results you've seen with people focusing on gut health as a road to addressing their Graves disease? Yes. And I particularly, I always love talking about the gut because it is so central to all of it. I, you know, I often say it's the gateway to your health. And so, yes. but I love talking about the gut in particular to thyroid because of a process called molecular mimicry. So, you know, our gut is normally semi-permeable and that allows us to, you know, to let in, I like to call it the drawbridge, let in the little teeny tiny boats or the the macro and micronutrients that are supposed to get through and of course, you know, fuel our body. But when we have a leaky gut, um, and I won't go into how that's caused, I'm sure that's old hat for your listeners, but when we have a leaky gut, then these large proteins that were never meant to get into our system, proteins to um, microbes to toxins that were never meant to get in. Um, it's like the drawbridge is wide open and the big ships can get through now. So suddenly, you know, our immune system sitting right there, they go on high alert and they can start, you know, your body, for example, goes to attack the gluten molecule that is not supposed to be there. And because of this process of molecular mimicry, we know that the gluten molecule looks very similar to our thyroid tissue and your immune system can inadvertently attack the thyroid instead of the gluten. And it's that process of molecular mimicry. So it is so important in all autoimmune conditions, but particularly thyroid, because we know this for a fact. I mean, this is in the literature 
you know, how the thyroid gland looks so similar to the gluten molecule that they that the immune system gets confused, it is that much more important to heal your leaky gut. And of course, your practitioners know how to do that. But one of the biggest ways is to get gluten out yes. and, you know, to work to fix the gut by cleaning up the diet, cleaning up the environment. And then I, of course, love adding in, you know, products. We have one called Leaky Gut Revive. Uh, but, you know, something that has, you know, marshmallow or aloe that's going to mm. go in and give, you know, that big, that good mucus barrier to L-glutamine that's going to help rejuvenate the cell. So it is so important that you are removing those triggers and then, you know, working to heal the gut. Love that. So Dr. Myers, I'm going to ask you a few more controversial questions because we all get clients who are coming to us in these states of confusion. And one of them is around iodine. Can you talk about connections between iodine and Graves' disease or iodine supplementation? Where do you sit on that yes. arena? Well, I sit, you know, uh, somewhere in the middle on that arena. That's where I like to live my life, the opposite, polar opposite. So, yeah, look, we, yes, I write about it in the Thyroid Connection. It is extreme. You know, I, mean, I think I have a chapter called the, you know, the iodine controversy. So it is very controversial. I had so many people coming into my clinic that were iodine deficient and had thyroid issues. I had people coming in who were on high, high dosages you know, 50 milligrams a day of iodine, and they believe that that's what caused their issues. So I think there is absolutely no doubt as a society, we are iodine deficient. We have chlorinated our, our pools. We have chlorinated our water. We have fluorinated our water as well. We have brominated our baked goods. We have taken iodine out of our salt. So we are an iodine deficient. We're not eating iodine rich, you know, seafoods and kelps and other things that our ancestors used to eat. So we, I believe as a society, we are deficient in iodine. And then you add in, we have leaky gut, so we're not absorbing things as well. We have many, many toxins that are displacing the iodine. It's just, yep. you know, compounding the problem. So I believe, and I actually, when I wrote The Thyroid Connection, after my first book, The Autoimmune Solution, I got a lot of feedback that it was a little overwhelming with the supplements. And so when I wrote The Thyroid Connection, I'm like, I am having one main supplement for people with thyroid issues to be able to take. And I formulated my multivitamin, the Myers Way multivitamin, and I put 300 micrograms of iodine in it because I believe, and the research shows, that we are really an iodine deficient society. But, you know, do I believe that people need to have you know, 25, 50 milligrams. I mean, remember I said 300 micrograms is what right. I added, right? And so this idea that when you, and it happened to me too, when I had grapes, like don't eat any shellfish, don't eat iodine. Well, it's like, no. And even I seaweed. Mean, I yeah, mean, people right, are exactly. scared of seaweed. Yeah, and some people, we get it all the time every day with my multiple. Are you sure it's safe? It's like, yes. I mean, we we naturally had this and now we don't. And then we have so many other things, you know, the fluorides, the bromides, that are the iodides that are dis displacing it. And so uh, bromide, excuse me, that are displacing the iodide. And so you need some and you need to either be getting it from your diet or be getting it from supplementation, potentially both. But I do personally disagree with the 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams that we are seeing some practitioners, you know, put people on. I've had a lot of people come into my clinic, you know, they believe that it is the thing that switched them into having you know, thyroid imbalance and thyroid disease. Yeah. And then, you know, we see this from the more quote unquote holistic practitioners, but we also see a lot of clients and patients coming to us who had their thyroid removed or a portion of their thyroid removed, had radiation. Can you talk a little bit about working with patients with Graves disease that have had more of these medical interventions? Well, I can talk to you from a patient perspective and from a personal perspective. Mm. So that is exactly what happened to me. I, um, 
you know, I was in medical school. I started having panic attacks. I, you know, went to the doctor. She dismissed me. I said, no, you need to look into this. She called me back. I had Graves disease. I entered medical school knowing I would do what I'm doing, <laughs> although I didn't know it was called functional medicine at the time. So right. I had a very holistic approach. I reached out to Dr. Andrew Weil. I mean, I reached out to so many people. There was not a me. There was not a you. You know, back then there were yep. not functional medicine practitioners when this happened to me. And so I got put on PTU, the suppressive medication. I was one in a million. I got toxic hepatitis from it. So I had to get off of it immediately. I almost had to drop out of med school. And then I got offered surgery or ablation. And I frankly was afraid of surgery. And so I did the ablation. And it's, I say, conventional medicine failed me. It's my mission to not have it fail you too. Mm. It's the biggest regret of my life. So I don't have a thyroid. So I am, you know, I take a combination of armor and synthroid every day. And I've actually forgotten your question about what you wanted me to answer about yeah, these just special how circumstances. We, but yeah, no, I'm so glad you shared your story, Dr. Myers. And thank you. I'm really touched by where the mission comes from. And I think it's a good message to all our listeners. We really do have a story that brings our purpose forward. And that purpose is really what makes us overcome all the challenges we're going to have in our work because it's bigger than us. And that mission that you just stated is big and it really has fueled some brilliant work on your part. So thank you for sharing your story. The question was how we actually meet these patients or clients who have gone through these, these interventions, whether, you know, I'm not going to put allopathic medicine on trial. There's reasons for everything, but we also then have to repair and bring the body to a functional state. It has to function. And so I'm just wondering how often you still see patients in in your clinic who have had surgical removal, radiation, or ablation? Yeah. So, I mean, I, since I am a trained classically as an allopathic doctor, I can, yeah. I can put them on the, on the <laughs> burning pedestal. <laughs> no, look, you. I, I was an ER doctor. So, you know, I think we do fabulous at that, right? I mean, crisis management, yes. you know, acute thousand percent. care. Absolutely. I want to go to the ER if I've been shot or a car accident. You know, absolutely. So, but in terms of this, you know, autoimmunity, long-term chronic illness, you know, we, we do not do a good job. So I have helped many people reverse their Graves disease. I mean, that's, it's always bittersweet for me. I have goosebumps as I'm talking to you, right? I, I wish I had had a me and, mm. and then, you know, I wouldn't have been in that boat. So, you know, it really is, um, frankly, it's impossible to restore your body to full balance when you're taking, you know, a hormone, even though I'm taking desiccated pig gland, you know, your body, someone's body that has a thyroid, they're going to produce more or less thyroid in any given day based on their inputs, best based on their stressors, based on their body's needs. I don't get that benefit. I get the benefit of I take a classic dose every day and, and that's what I get. I, you know, have, feel that I have optimal health. I've done many things to get myself there and my patients as yep. well. But once you have a gland or an organ removed, women who have hysterectomies, I understand there are real reasons that you need to do that, right? I mean, people who are having, you know, fibroids and bleeding too much that they're anemic or maybe they had to for cancer or other reasons. Uh, there are real reasons. And the people who've had thyroid cancer, I certainly don't want to diminish or put, you know, allopathic medicine on the, on the you know, burning stick there. There are real reasons. Um, with Graves, I would argue that if working with a functional practitioner that you could potentially save yourself from having to do that. Yes. But there are real reasons. And, you know, the, the reality is it is what it is. And you just have to do the best you can at that point by getting the rest of your body back in balance. A lot of people say, oh, well, that already happened or I have Hashimoto, so I'm just going to take the pills and I'm fine. I feel good. Well, 
if you didn't really fix the fire that was burning and brewing, yep. it's going to turn into something else, right? I mean, you have yep. uh, three times more likely to get another autoimmune condition. So if you, even though I had my thyroid ablated and quote unquote, you know, allopathic medicine solved my problem, well, no, if I didn't go in and fix my gut, I didn't, you know, deal with my stress. I didn't uh, look at food sensitivities. I didn't deal with toxic mold. I, I didn't, you know, do all of these things. Then I was still allowing myself to be open for something else to come. So I think the thing to know is, you know, obviously if something's already happened to you, do not beat yourself up. I do not live in that. I live in, I'm using it as my passion to help other people. And there are many things that you can do to get yourself on track by working through the matrix, healing your gut and set yourself up for optimal health and making sure that you're working with a practitioner. And again, I highly recommend my book, The Thyroid Connection, because yes, I really absolutely. talk about, you know, what are the thyroid labs? What are the levels you want? Some people will tell you it has to be armor. Other people will tell you it has to be Synthroid. Some people can tell you it has to be Naturethroid. It is whatever works for you. I have seen, Absolutely. I have tried them all and there is no right one. Every, there are people who do great on Synthroid. I certainly never recommend it if you've had an ablation. I do think that those people, if you had your thyroid removed for whatever reason, you, you do need to have the T3 component in there. Generally speaking, is my experience working with people and also on a personal level. But there are people who do fine with, you know, Synthroid. There are people who tolerate Naturethroid. There are other people who, who do great on armor. There are other people who do terrible on something else. And so you have to find what's right for you. And I think that that is probably, you know, the number one key uh, you know, getting to the root still and then finding what works for you personally. Mm, Dr. Myers, I love how you're bringing us into the journey. And I just want to thank you so much for your passion and your wisdom and sharing so much with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Dot com.